Austin Chapel's birthday, right? So, three years ago, we set out to plant a church. Um, the first year, we met in a dingy comedy club. We kind of called it soft launch. We didn't even have children's ministry. We barely had children. Lincoln was like a couple weeks old, right? Uh, two years ago, we had our public launch. We had over 70 people there. Uh, during these last three years, we've had a lot of um, people see life change. I've seen a lot of growth in people's lives. Um, and we've seen a lot of people come through our door. Some stayed for a week, some for years. Um, but we've seen um, a lot of people, and we've been able to encourage and minister to a lot of people. Um, as a community, we have reached a lot of people with the gospel, uh, over 200 just this year. Um, we've seen in the last three years 20 people make decisions for Christ and nearly as many baptisms. Um, we've helped people through incredibly difficult life problems, uh, even helped people from the edge of suicide. Um, we've supported and ministered to refugees. We have ministered to victims of sex trafficking uh, through partnering with Redeem Ministries, both helping financially and in person. Um, we supported two families that lost everything in Hurricane Harvey. We have done multiple outreaches, helping underprivileged families in our area and outreaches to the homeless as well. Uh, through our benevolence budget, we have brought people... Um, We've bought people in need gas cards, HEB gift cards, and in some extreme situations, paid for professional counseling for some individuals. Um, we have, together as a community, also just helped each other get through life. Like, I think back on all of the prayer requests that we've had at Bible studies and, and in person and, and in um, times after Sunday at church, and I think of all the answered prayer we've seen in the last few years. It's been amazing. I think of people that I know have been healed through the prayers of our church, which has been pretty amazing. Um, God has used our little and pretty young church in a lot of ways, and I believe we should be proud and thankful for the fact that he used us for anything. Amen? Uh, now, this last year has been difficult. We lost some leaders. We had some people like move, and we had some people uh, simply burn out and uh, leave for something easier. I don't know exactly what God's doing with Austin Chapel. I don't know personally. Um, I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord. Um, I don't know what his plan is in all of this, but I know that this last year has um, been difficult. But, you know, what does the Bible say about difficulties and trials and hardships? That we count them as joy because it's, it's an opportunity for us to grow. And we have to look at things that way. Um, difficulties in our life arise, and we are to count them as joy. The Bible is clear about this. Read James. Read First Peter. That it's for our benefit. And we um, have things to learn um, from them. So I, I don't know what God has for the future. I don't know. Um, I normally have big vision projects. I whiteboard them out. Uh, I announce them. Uh, you would think on a birthday I would have one for our church, right? But right now I am just seeking God's will. And I only know two things, okay? Number one, we've been talking about it all month. I want to see you guys spiritually thriving. Like, I want to see every individual spiritually alive. Not spiritually mediocre, not spiritually dead, but spiritually, like, hungry for more of Jesus, more of God's will. Whatever that may look like for each individual, I want to see you guys spiritually thriving. Um, and additionally, as we're meeting here at this house, I would love to see this house packed with people worshiping Jesus. I think that's a great thing. 
to just worship Jesus. That's the only two things that I, I, I know right now. Is I want to see you guys spiritually awake, spiritually thriving, and I want to see this house packed with people um, singing to Jesus. Um, so today's sermon, we're going to be continuing the Gospel of John. Um, it's just really fitting as we think back on all that God has done and whatever God is going to do. Um, I titled this sermon For Love and Glory. And uh, I'm actually combining what would have been two sermons into one, um, but I think they fit so well together, and it's just fitting for our church on our birthday. And so we're going to be in John uh, 16, verse 25 today. Uh, but before that, I want us to jump back a chapter to John 15, 9. I'm going to be re- reading the majority of my verses today out of the NLT, um, if you want to follow along that way. And some of them will be out of ESV, but majority will be NLT. John 15, 9 said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We talked about that week when we were studying that passage that the Father's love is the constant for all other love. It's the constant we test love by, and it's the love that fed Jesus, which then Jesus fed to us. Right? It flowed from the Father through the Son to us. And we've been invited into this loving relationship that the Father and the Son share. So we learned this already in John 15. And we're going to learn more on this topic of how love operates and motivates in chapter 16 today. Um, and what we're going to find is that love is the greatest motivator. You know... Um, have you seen the cigarette commercials, right? The ones that like are uh, like basically like cancer pictures, right? Like black lungs and rotten mouths and <laughs> all this stuff, right? It's like the fear campaigns. Have you seen what they're doing now, though? The, the campaigns now for anti-cigarettes are more about how this is the generation that's going to stop smoking. This is the generation that's going to live a healthier life. It's a whole different campaign. Because what they have found in advertising over the last hundred years is that fear campaigns work, but campaigns based upon passion and love work better. So, like, we, uh, we were watching, what we were watching, uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Have you guys seen that show? Okay, so every, Adam Ruins Everything. And uh, he was talking about how Listerine, the company, made up a disease called halitosis. It's not real. It's never been medically proven. But they made it up, and they coined the term. It even says on their website, we coined the term halitosis. For just people who have a little bit worse breath than other people, right? And then they said, you might have this horrible disease called halitosis, and you don't know it, and everybody hates you. So you, since you don't know that you have it, and everyone might hate you, you should take our product, right? So they found that fear campaigns actually do work. Fear-based campaigns do work. But over time, camp, camp, uh, advertisers um, have found that <laughs> like campaigns where they basically show you what your life could look like, campaigns that show a better future, campaigns that show um, something that you can be passionate about, campaigns that are based upon love and passion actually sell better than fear-based campaigns. And what we're learning today is that 
Love is the greatest motivator. And we're going to find out that Jesus himself was motivated by love. Now, you can be motivated by two types of love, the love that you receive and the love that you give. And I find this passage really profound because Jesus' motivation was actually the opposite of what I thought. It wasn't the love he would give that was his motivator. It was actually the love that he was receiving that was Jesus' motivator. And it was mind-blowing to me to read that and to really explore that concept. Um, so we're going to do that today. John 16, 25. And I think we're going to learn something that's really powerful. And then ultimately we're going to find out how this is all for the glory of God. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and, be, and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Okay. So a time is coming when we're going to receive things more clearly. And the disciples did. Like, if you read the Gospels compared to the epistles, it's pretty clear that the Holy Spirit clears up a lot of, it, of things. He makes things even more clear on how we should live our lives, how we should pray, how should we act, how should we act towards strangers, how do we share the Gospel. Certainly in Scripture, things become more and more clear as we read. Um, and so Jesus is telling them, hey, time is coming where you will receive things more clearly. Um, but listen to this. Why? And it's because the Father loves you dearly. That's what Jesus says to them. Because the Father loves you dearly. So the love is a powerful motivator. People will sacrifice greatly for love and even lay their lives down, right? Um, people will lay their lives down for love of family, for love of friends, and even, what's crazy, love of country will lay our lives down. People will sacrifice greatly for love. Um, and it can be the love that they feel or that the, the love they um, receive, right? So the love they give or the love they receive. Either way, love is a powerful motivator. But if we think about that, if for the love of family, for the love of nation would cause us to do great things, how much more should the love of the Father motivate us? I would say a lot more. I think it should be the greatest motivator. If love is, is best for advertisement campaigns, it should also be best for the motivation of our life. Specifically, the love from the Father. Okay, so before this point, the disciples had been questioning Jesus. They had been doubting things he had been saying. They had been confused. And Jesus here doesn't even clear up, clarify Clear up. Uh, he doesn't even clarify everything here. He actually just says, later you will have more clarity. And, but he says one key thing to them. Because a father loves you dearly. That statement alone does something in the disciples, which we'll see here in verse 29. Then his disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. You guys, this, this is incredible. Jesus is actually saying, I haven't yet still explained everything, but just know this. 
The Father loves you dearly. That statement alone changes the disciples' hearts. The love that they feel from God the Father in that moment They said, we're not going to question you anymore, Jesus. We know that you came from God. We understand everything. In that moment, it clicks for them. All of this is because of the love of the Father. I think that's pretty powerful. The, The most powerful thing we can say to anybody is a Father in heaven loves you. Those words are the most powerful words in the universe. And it is the message that everyone on this planet desires to hear. That the Creator, the Father in Heaven, He loves you dearly. He loves you dearly. You know, they went from confused, frustrated, and fearful to motivated and confident just because they were told that the Father loves them. We see that love is the most powerful motivator. Now, Jesus knows that they still don't have full understanding. They don't know exactly how this is all going to play out. They don't know exactly how the whole cross and resurrection thing is all going to be for God's great love and glory. But they're starting to get it, all because of that statement, the Father loves you dearly. So Jesus asks in in verse 31, Do you finally believe? And it's a question, do you finally believe? Are you guys starting to get it? Jesus knows that it's the beginning of something in them, right then in that moment, that they know the Father loves them. But it's not yet complete because they will see the completion of it after the crucifixion and resurrection. So Jesus continues, The time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. This is crazy. Jesus is saying, I know you guys are starting to get it, but some persecution is coming. And in fact, it's here now. At this point, they're at the garden. They've arrived. They've been on this journey, kind of walking to the garden. Now they're there. And Jesus says, the moment, the time is here where you guys are going to get scattered. Something bad is going to go down. And he says, you will leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus himself took comfort in this moment in the Father's love. Jesus himself was motivated by the Father's love. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life and not perish, right? That's the verse. You see, Jesus was motivated by the love of the Father for us. When Jesus went to that cross, he did not do it for his love for us as his main motivator. Now, Jesus does love us. And he did do it because he loves us. But his main motivation was the love of the Father. The love of the Father is why he came to the earth. 
The love of the Father is why he discipled these men. The love of the Father is why, even though in the garden when he's praying, we read in the other Gospels, he's sweating blood and doesn't want to do it. You guys realize that? Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He's like, Father, if there's any other way. But not my will, but your will. That's crazy. That means that when Jesus chooses to go to the cross, he's doing it out of the love of the Father. That's his motivation. Verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus here is telling us that we can take peace even in the greatest sorrows because in the act of going to the cross and raising again, Jesus overcomes the world. And it's all because of the love of the Father. So Jesus here is letting him know, hey, tonight is actually going to get a lot worse before it gets better. It's going to get a lot worse. In fact, the darkest thing that's ever happened, the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world is about to happen. The perfect man, God in flesh, who never sinned is going to die for our sins. That's the worst thing. But take peace in me because he has overcome the world. So the Father's love is the motivation. He loves us deeply. So deeply that he sent Jesus to take our pain, our sorrow, our penalty, and our punishment upon himself. He has full and complete, perfect victory. He has overcome the world. And it was all because of the motivation of the love of the Father. When we love others, it would actually be somewhat arrogant for us to say that we love of our own motivation, that we love of our own good nature. It all stems from the Father. It says that God is love, and all love comes from Him, even Jesus' love was from the Father who loved him, so Jesus loved us. And it's the same for us. The Father loves us, and so we love others, and we love the Father. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. All love starts with the love of the Father. All love is motivated by the love of the Father. Okay. So then we're, we're going to see here... Um, We're going to flip over to John 17 and read the first few verses there and see what the purpose in all this is. After saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one of you Um, each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. 
I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. When I read this, it blew my mind. Because Jesus here tells them, hey, the Father loves you dearly, my, my disciples. Listen, he loves you dearly. Take peace even in the hardest circumstances, in the darkest moment, because the Father loves you. I'm going to die because the Father loves you. I'm going to take your sin because the Father loves you. I'm going to rise again and offer you newness of life because the Father loves you. This is the message that he's sharing them. It's all about the motivation of love from the Father that Jesus shares this. And then Jesus turns from his disciples in this moment of saying, this is it. This is the final message I give to you. He turns, and now he turns to God in heaven, and he prays, and he says, now glorify me. And then here he also says, I have completed the work you gave me to do. So now glorify me as I have glorified you in heaven. It's crazy me, to me to think about this. The last thing that, so now Jesus says that the work is done. His work of discipleship is done. His work of ministering for th- three and a half years is done. The last part of it, the last little thing that he had to give was the Father loves you dearly. Take peace. And now he prays the Lord, it's time. Let's go to the cross. Glorify me so I can glorify you. Ultimately, pure love from the Father brings about glory for the for the Father. Love brings God's glory. So love is the greatest motivator, and the purpose in all of it is the glory of Jesus, the glory of God. That's why we do what we do. Let's not get our motivation wrong. What we have done in the last three years, and what we are to do, whatever it may be, for the Christian life is to love but out of love that's motivated because of the love of the Father. Here, listen. If we share the gospel with people out of our own love for them, it's going to fall short. That's actually not a good enough motivation. And I have wrongly taught that it is at times. You don't share the gospel with someone because you love them. You share the gospel with someone because God loves you and them. That's the motivation. And the purpose for it is ultimately glory for God. You guys, this was was mind-blowing for me studying this. We serve and do good works, whatever they may be. Not for our love for people or even our love for God. We do them out of motivation because he loves us. It's actually out of the love that we receive. That it's our, that's our motivation. And then that 
plays out in the love that we give. But it's based upon the fact that God already loves you. You don't share the gospel so that God will love you. He loves you so you share the gospel. You don't treat others above yourself because you're earning their love. You do it because God already loves them. God is the motivator here. He is the one who all love stems from. We have to get that for us to have a correct and pure motivation when we do anything. And I just, I was thinking about the power like this, as we read this text, this flip that happens in the disciples' hearts, in their mind. Like Jesus actually says to them, like, you still don't understand everything. A time will come when you do. But just the simple fact that Jesus told them that the Father in heaven loves them dearly flips something in them. Like it turns something inside of them that goes, now we're starting to get it. And I was thinking about it, and as we, we share with others, whatever it is, with a Christian who's struggling or with an unbeliever, like that's where we have to start, is the Father in heaven loves you. Let me tell you how much he loves you, so much so he sent his son, right? But it's, it's got to start with the love of the Father. And I, I really believe that every heart is yearning to know that, that the Father in heaven loves them dearly. And it's this that motivates us. I want to read this passage out of Ephesians 3, and then we'll, uh, we'll close up. It's a long passage. Try to pay attention. It's so, so good. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 is what I'm going to read. For this reason, this is Paul speaking, For this reason I kneel before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's key here. Paul is saying that we are established in love. We're rooted in love. And out of that establishment, out of that foundation, out of that ground we're rooted in, there is power. What does this power do? First thing it does is amazing. We start to grasp God's love. That it's wide, long, high, deep. That it surpasses knowledge. But when we're rooted in it, established in it, we start to grasp it. That's amazing. Then second thing it does is it fills us to a measure of all the fullness of God. That statement is insane. 
that as we're rooted in the love, it can fill us up to a God, a godly standard. It can fill us up to a God level of love if we're rooting ourselves in it, if we're grasping his love. Then it ends with saying it's all for Christ's glory. It's all for the glory of the Father. How do we most glorify God? By being rooted and established in love and filled with it to a measure that is godly. That is godlike. That's crazy. When you see selfish human beings being transformed by love so much that they love others like God, not like humans, not with the earthly view of love like Alan was talking about, but with a God level of love, God gets incredible glory. So whatever we do, you know, if it's, Continuing the church, if it's doing something else, if it's washing the dishes for our wife, <laughs> if it's taking care of our kid's dirty diaper, if it's being nice to our coworker when they're being a jerk, if it's sharing with somebody that God loves them so much so that he sent his son, if it's preaching a sermon, worshiping uh, you know, through song, studying the Bible, Whatever it is, our motivation is the love of the Father. Let's do it to a measure that's godly. You with me? Like, that's a real possibility. It's actually possible as you root and establish yourself in the love of Jesus, in the love of God. It's actually possible for you to start loving with a godly measure. And when that happens, God gets so much glory, it's insane. Let's check our motivations. If our motivations are off in anything we're doing, we need to look for that love again of the Father and say, man, He loves me. He loves me. He loves imperfect, messed up, selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, self-satisfying me. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? And out of that, we can really start to love others and give Jesus glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that... I don't know what's going through everybody's minds right now. Lord, it could be a whole number of things. And if it hasn't yet happened for some or, or even all in this room, I pray that that click that happened for the disciples, just hearing that the Father loves them, would happen for us right now. Lord, that something would click on our brain, that, God, you love us dearly. So then we go out and we do what we're going we're gonna to do. Lord, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. To overcome the world for us. 
to give us new life, to call us your own, to make us children of God, to give us a heavenly inheritance. Lord, I pray that as believers today, we would become motivated by the love that we receive from you. Not the love to do great things. Not the love to just simply help people. Not a love that stems from ourself. Lord, but that we would start loving out of a perfect love. Loving out of that constant, perfect love that comes from you. That it would be a a love that's flowing through us. That doesn't begin with us. That we're receiving. And therefore we can pour out onto others. Lord, I pray that we would learn to be motivated by your love. And in that, Lord, by faith we know that you will receive the glory that is due to your name. 